Welcome back everybody. I know it's been a while, but doing it again. Um, hope everyone's having a great 2021 so far. Uh, we're doing this virtually for now and with me for the second time, someone who's become over the over the years, you've become family. So Rami, thank you for doing this a second time. Habibi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to, uh, to be with you virtually. How's your 2021 so far? So far, so good. Obviously, last year didn't really set the bar too high, so um, <laughs> you know, I can't say can't say too much for that compared to last year. This has been pretty great. Uh, no, um, that, so far this year has been has uh, been fantastic. Um, just with uh, with work, it's been cool. Like new stuff going on at work and um, new stuff going on with uh, with church and ministry and, and yeah, we're just you know making it uh, making it work as best as possible. I feel like this This is obviously now that it's a second wave or third wave. I don't even know what this is at this point. Because I just like, I lost wave, count. Bro. I literally, it feels like that. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I thought the second wave was in October. But apparently now we're in like a third wave because it's worse than the second and the first. So I'm like, I don't even know what's happening right now. But I feel like I'm much more prepared uh, than I was before. Uh, just understanding, you know, how to kind of adapt, I think, compared to March. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a world of a difference. But... Um, no, so far, 2021 has been great. So far, so good. That's good. And we kind of know what to expect at this point, don't we? Like yeah, we, absolutely. We, like it's been it's been just repetition over the last few months. Um, have you deleted your Twitter account yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I forgot my Twitter password. Um, Same. I actually tried ago. to log in to figure out what's going on, and I had no idea how <laughs> yeah. to log in. So Yeah. I, had, um, I have two accounts. So I have... Uh, one that I made in high school and then I have one that I made in first year my first year like whatever like when I was in university this is 2012 so I made an account called like Rami Goreal but then I had one from high school that I used to use which was my username was the wacky Iraqi <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely don't have the password for that thank god man we have to figure it um, out we have to call Twitter or something <laughs> and bring it back I, I got to call someone, but no, man, I am definitely not on Twitter right now. That's for sure. <laughs> so to start us off, I want to ask you, uh, could be a random question to you. Today is January 13th, 2021. Yep. So we're getting close to the end of the first two weeks of, of the year. What yeah. was on your mind around the same time last year, around the first two weeks of 2020? What were you worried about? What were you excited about? What was going on? Okay, so when I look back, so basically I um, I always write down my goals for the year. I just feel like it's one thing to talk about them. It's one thing to say it out loud and to share them with other people. But it's a world of a difference when you actually, you know, write it down, put, put your thoughts into words. <laughs> I looked back at it the other day and my goals were as follows. I'm like, I want to travel more. So that was one for 2020. Uh, clearly that didn't happen um, I said I want to uh, spend more quality time with the people I care about <laughs> so yeah thanks COVID um, and the third thing was uh, what did I say oh I said I, I want to um, I wanted to try to do the things that scare me Mm -hmm. So like the things that I always like I was afraid of or things that I was worried about. I'm like, I want to kind of put, you know, 
that aside like everything i'm scared of i want to forget that i'm scared of it and mm-hmm. i want to tackle the things that scare me the most and i look at that and i'm like okay i tried a lot of that obviously the other two things physically impossible with covid and everything like that um but i i I look back at it and I also had some, some like spiritual goals for myself, like what I wanted to accomplish. Like I wanted to get, uh, you know, closer in my faith and, 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 uh, closer in the word, uh, more. And I feel like I did accomplish that significantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way 2020 planned out, you know, naturally with everything that happened, um, it allowed me to accomplish, uh, that part of my goal. Um, and obviously the first one of just trying things that scare me the most. I, I, I spent a lot more kind of time, you know, in that area. But yeah, um, I, I thought 2020 would be a little bit different than it turned out. Mm-hmm. I think nobody could have imagined. I remember we were we were talking about this um, a while back. Like I was at a conference with, uh, at, with work and there's like 250 people, give or take. And they're from all over Canada uh, coming in. And it's this mass conference, like huge in the Hilton downtown. And it's like mm-hmm. incredible. And the, the hotel itself is just packed. And, uh, you know, we were all at the time, this was January or end of January. We're all talking about, you know, this this COVID-19 thing that was happening at the time in, in uh, you know, obviously December of 2019. And we were looking back at it. And we're like, oh, like, that's crazy. Like, it sucks what's happening in China. Yeah, it'll never happen here. Like, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and then... That was pretty much it. And then uh, little do we know that come March, everything just pretty much uh, shut down at that point. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Um, officially youth pastor now, how does it feel? <laughs> uh-huh. It's it's awesome, man. Like I, for me, the title is irrelevant. Like it doesn't really change anything. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing the, the role alongside Mark and I'm thankful for that because some awesome mentorship and guidance. Uh, from him so i've been doing that alongside him for the last year and a half now almost two years actually it'll be two years in april um so it doesn't feel any different like i've always felt that that uh that responsibility towards you know the 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 young adults that i that i pastor and the the people there um so it just it just feels like just a more of an official title Mm -hmm. uh but i like it because it keeps me accountable because before I could be like, you know, I have that crutch of what well, I'm not the youth pastor. Like I'm not in charge. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like mm-hmm. where it's now it's, it's completely different because I'm like, no, like I'm, I'm being held accountable to something and, and it's important for me to, you know, move forward with that and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, not, nothing different. It just, it just, it's more official, I guess mm-hmm. with the church. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much business as usual. I like that. Um, you know, sometimes when we envision things from the outside, they seem a little bit, uh, I mean, we see them differently than when we actually get into the, like the, the position or the ministry or the school yeah. or whatever it may be. Uh, when you were younger as a kid and you were thinking about this as, as one of your dreams, was it any different in your head than what it is in reality right now? Yes. <laughs> How so? <laughs> It's, it's a world of a difference. First of all, I think that um, growing up, I, I grew up in a, in a tra- very traditional church. So my mentality of what it looked like to be, like I've, uh, uh, how about this? Let's start from the beginning. I've always wanted to kind of be where I am now, like in my ministry. I've known from like a young age that like this is what, um, that I'm passionate about, that I felt that like God had called me to. Like I've known that since I was a kid. 
just the avenue in which I'm, 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 I'm going about it now. It's a world of a difference. Yeah. Um, but that pretty much sums that up. But for me, I think that I, I thought it would be a lot more glamorous than it is. Like, I think we, we always kind of look at these, you know, mighty men of God, mighty women of God. And we kind of put them on a pedestal. And you're like, whoa, their life is so awesome. Like, their life is so cool. And you kind of look at the glamorous side. But mm-hmm. it's just like the, the saying goes, like, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, yep. everything you want is always a lot different when you actually get there. So I think for me, there there was that, um, you know, the glamorous side of, of, you know, that, you know, being in that role. You know, you're in the spotlight. You're in... Um, you know, you're you're in a spotlight, not in a sense of it's like, oh, look at me, but you're in a spotlight of influence. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of times people look at it like, you know, I want to become, you know, I want to become a pastor. I want to serve God. I want this big role. But sometimes there's that um, that pride in and of itself that exists there, where it's like, I want to have a name, like I want to be there. Where on the reality, it's the complete opposite. Where I'm, for me, like I wanted to be in, a, in the spotlight, not to, you know, be. I don't know, glorified might not be the best word, but um, not to be like exalted in front of people. Mm-hmm. But it was that I'm like, this would give me a platform where I can make Jesus famous. Yeah. And that that was my biggest thing. So I'm like, you know, yeah, you can serve God. You can have influences just, you know, um, in your in your day to day walk. But I was looking at it as a as bigger than that. Like I've always kind of looked at it from a, like a big picture item. Um, and I saw it that way. But then I realized that there's so much um, other impacts of you being in that spotlight mm-hmm. where yes, you have a, you have an, you have an opportunity to impact and you have an opportunity to, you know, share the gospel in you know, big ways, but you also have everyone looking at you yep. that the words that you say, the things that you do, it's, it has, it's, it's weighted so much differently. Um, and then there's also the fact that it's not always a glamorous thing of, you know, you just get up there and you preach like it's it's not it's not like that. There's so much more behind the scenes that no one knows. And I love that nobody knows because it's 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 done in the in the quiet place or it's done in hiding. And I feel like that's the places where I see the Lord working in the most. Um, it's when you're not you know seeing that direct impact right away. So, yeah, I've always kind of wished to be in this place. But what I imagined initially and what I see now, it's it's totally a world of a difference. Um, let me ask you this. What do you wish people understood more or people knew about uh, what you do and what other people in charge of specific parts of ministries do? Because the reason I ask is because over the last few years, we've seen so many fall. Yeah. We've seen so many people that we used to look up to and and, and uh, learn from yeah. all of a sudden become someone we judge very harshly and um, all of a sudden, like almost all of a sudden, like we're better than them for yeah. something they did. What do you wish people understood about what you do and what other people in charge of ministry do? I, I love that question just because I wish that people would understand that yeah, we're just we're humans just like you. A lot of times is we 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 uh, we put people on these pedestals. We put people in ministry, people in you know pastors or worship leaders, whomever. 
naturally we put them on this pedestal and i think for me i i'm in a different place just because before i was everyone's pastor i was everyone's i am everyone's friend mm -hmm. so for me it's different i don't think i'll ever be put in that position until it's a group where pretty much maybe 80 percent is all you know new faces so i can't say that i feel this way but i'm also a man so there could be a point in time in my life where you know i fall and I, there will be a time naturally in, in one way shape or form like i am not perfect in any way mm -hmm. um, and i need his grace daily just to be able to kind of make it through and i think that something that we make a big mistake on and especially i think it's also something to do in our culture i'm not talking about a christian subculture i'm talking about our arabic culture yeah. where we idolize and we put these mighty men and women of god on these pedestals and we look at them as whoa they're like these superhuman people um and that's not true like we idolize them and of course a lot of people don't know them in that personal sense like for example if i wasn't um like i i find i feel very blessed to be really close with a lot of the young adults that i that i'm here to pastor but i can only imagine for for people of our parents generation for example where there isn't really that close-knit relationship with their pastor they might have you know like they, they'll visit or whatever they'll perform a service or they'll pray for you whatever the case may be but it's one thing to know someone as your pastor and one thing to know them as your as your friend mm -hmm. um it's really hard when some you see someone as your mentor when they fall they fall and when they make a mistake, they make a mistake because in your eyes, you've placed them at this place. And sometimes, unfortunately, in our culture, it can actually become idolatry where I'm idolizing these people. Whereas I'm supposed to, you know, receive from them because at the end of the day, they're just a vessel that God is using. They just made themselves available. So there's nothing different. But I think one of the biggest things is to, to understand that you don't want to see the man of god you want to see god behind the man where it's i'm not looking at wow look at this man of god look at this this mighty woman of god whatever the case may be but i want to see be able to see jesus glorified in their lives and let that be my focus because once they fall they make a mistake whatever happens happens it's so easy for me to think of whoa well they prayed for me this one time and you know what mm -hmm. he 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 led the communion service and like i received communion so did i like was that like like, do I have to repent or like mm -hmm. whatever the case may be? Or it could be like, oh, I don't know. Like this, this pastor was involved in marrying my wife and I, for, for example, just as an example. Mm -hmm. Well, is my marriage invalid? Like, no, of course not. But it's, it's looking past that, looking past the fact that this is a man. It's looking at them that this is a vessel that God used in my life. And that's it. Where it's not this, look at this superhuman. Look at this. No, it's, this is a vessel that God used in my life. You're absolutely right. And uh, the lack of understanding in this causes a lot of people to to get hurt and to stumble and, and get further away and stuff like that. Um, I, just finished, uh, I just finished reading a book by uh, Koulianos, Michael Koulianos, called The Holy Spirit. It's actually right here. And in one of the chapters towards the end, um, he just takes some time to like list the people who have influenced um, his path in ministry and people who he's learned from and observed and things like that. Uh, obviously, right. he has um, uh, Benny Hinn in there, 
Kathleen Kuhlman, yeah. uh, a lot of big names. If you were to ever write a book or someone write a book about Rami Goriel, what <laughs> what are uh, the names you'd put in a chapter like that? And they don't have to be uh, ministry related. They don't even have to be Christian. Man, that's a tough question. That's like a deep, like fact question kind of thing. There's like so much into it. Um, it's funny. No one's ever asked me that ever. Like I've never been. <laughs> I, I think the, the, that there was a lot of people who really touched my life. Um, a ton, a ton of people. Yeah. I need the, the upset. No, it's, it's, like my parents mm -hmm. um since i was a kid actually my mom my mom told me the story uh recently i think after we got married uh, jess and i after we got married um i was just talking to my mom one day and you know like it's it's a different world it's a world of difference between like having that relationship with your parents when you're like living there mm -hmm. and then it's a little bit different when you're now like you're married um it's it, the, the dynamic changes and i found for myself it changed in a, in a very positive way but kind of after like that, your parents start to open up more things to you. And they start to tell you more things um, that you, you know, these like secrets or these family secrets. Because now you're actually like an adult because now you have mm -hmm. your own family kind of thing. And then my mom would tell me that um, when, when, when she was pregnant with me, my dad at the time when I was, when my mom was pregnant, my dad was actually in the army. This is in the second Gulf War. Um, my dad was in the army and, and he was gone for obviously long periods of time. My mom was pregnant and she would tell me that as she was, and she wasn't a believer at the time. Like, you know, she, she wasn't really strong with the Lord. Like she'd go to church and it was just, you know, that kind of transactional relationship. Um, but she would tell me that she didn't really know how to pray or how to, you know, um, these, these things that we take for granted now of, you know, like interceding and all, you know, all these, these big name things where her prayer was just so simple. And I remember when she was praying, she'd say like, she, she would tell me this. She's like, I would tell the Lord, God, I just pray that this child like would be used for you, like whatever it is, like whatever it needs to look like. At the time, she's like she had a very basic kind of understanding of, of, of the church and faith. So she's like, you know, let him just even if he's just a deacon in the church, like mm -hmm. just something very simple. But to her, she's like, I wanted you to be um, to be used by God. And she'd spend so much time praying and, and she'd worship with the, you know, the simple song that she knew. And I look now, you know, 26 years later, like those prayers were significantly answered and it came to life. And my dad was also the same where he, he, he always motivated, you know, Rhoda and I to, to pursue uh, the things of God more than even just the, this, the regular things. You know what I mean? Like so many parents, they, they force their kids, you know, like, you know, you think I'm a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. My parents were like, like, what's your kingdom goals? Like, what are you mm -hmm. going to do for God? So it was a little bit different growing up. But my mom and dad were, were instrumental to where I am now. Like before I preach on a Friday or whatever the case may be, sometimes I'll be invited to another church. Like I'll call my mom and we'll pray together on the phone. I'm like, mom, I need you to pray for me. Cause like, you know, I'm going into this or like uh, I'm going to speak here and then she'll just pray and uh, it gives me so much peace and, and, it, and it really uh, increases my faith. Um, so definitely my mom and dad 
instrumental to my to my faith that's incredible um, did this ha does this ever happen before you were married or like what, something told me this something like um praying with your mom over the phone oh yeah absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. my mom um i i would always kind of we always have uh, my mom and i have always had a like um, a close relationship mm -hmm. um especially spiritually um in difficult times in my life different seasons kid um I really saw mom's uh, prayer. Like mom's always been a prayer warrior in my eyes. And, and I know that's, you know, that's who she is. Um, but we would always, yeah, time and time again, before exams or before different things, because I was still serving and preaching in, in, during university. Uh, but she'd always, always be praying with me, whether it's in person or over the phone before something big like that, for sure. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. Let me tell you something before you give me the other names. And I'm not just being sure, nice. Sure. If okay. that book was about Raf and his life, I would guarantee 100% the Goriel family, family would be in that book. Each and every single one of you guys has had an incredible impact on my career, my spiritual walk, uh, and just my like me as a person and how, you know, trying to fit in into this uh, transition from the Middle East to here. And I just, I'm really, really grateful for you guys. Bro, that's... that's... Uh, that means a lot, bro. Um, my family loves you. They adore you. Uh, I've never seen my parents. I'll tell you this. I've never seen my parents uh, be so open to someone new. You know, keep in mind, 99% of my friends, I've known them since I was a kid. Yeah. Like I've known Eric for 20, 22 years or 23 years or something like that. Like I've known him forever. Uh, most of the people that are around us, I've, my parents have known them forever. So seeing how easy they opened up to you um, and not just as a, you know, like, oh, Zayek, like, come over, or like that, you know, like, Azuma like, you know, yeah, those things yeah. that you're just supposed to say. For them, it was the first time where I've seen something so genuine. Not to say that they're not, but mm -hmm. it was the first time where I'm like, whoa, like, they're, they're treating him just like, like as a son. Mm -hmm. So seeing that in their life was like, huh, this is a really good guy. Like, I'm really happy he's my friend. Like, clearly, if once your parents like your friends, like, that's probably a good sign. Um, <laughs> but they genuinely, genuinely love you. Uh, they always ask about you and, and uh, you mean a lot to them 100%. Man, I'm so grateful for you guys. Um, who who are the other names that you would throw in there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one, one of the the most recent names, I guess, in modern day history, um, Pastor Gerges was was extremely influential in my life. I've known Pastor Gerges since I was three years old. And wow. yeah, he's known me since I was like a kid. He's known Rhoda since she was a baby, like since she was born, like she was born in the church, literally. Um, he was so instrumental in, in, a, in my life and in my family's life. And there were seasons where there was a season where I was so far from God. Um, surprise, surprise. Like, you know, not every pa person is born a pastor or something like that, but... Of course um, not. <laughs> And there were seasons where the, how do I explain this? There were seasons where they were so influential where he, he was there and he wasn't just there to support because part of a pastor's job is that counseling and support for families, you know, the stuff we all know, mm -hmm. but he was there not just to fix the situation, but also to, to kind of show me on who I am in Christ on who 
God has called me to be. Actually, the first time that I've ever received a prophecy over my life, and I had no idea what that was at the time. I was so far from the Lord, so it didn't really matter at the time. But when I look back at it now and remember what was said, it was so influential, and I'm reaping the fruits now. Whereas in the moment of, I'm like, I went up for prayer because my mom made me go up for prayer. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it just, you go and like, whatever. Because yeah. if you don't get prayer, like, you know, you're just bad. But um, <laughs> I remember going going up for prayer, zero expectations. Like, I think my eyes were open because I think you're supposed to close them or something like that. <laughs> but I'm literally, I'm literally up there and I'm just like, and and uh, he's like, he's praying for me. And he, he spoke something kiddo, over my life that... Uh, changed me and it, I'm reaping the rewards now but more than anything he was there to help me walk into my calling and help shape me and he gave me opportunities to step into my calling in ways that I can't quantify but he was also so consistent in my life where he would actually chase after me which was weird like a lot of times the pastor will chase after you most of the time it's like you might not be living the best way or like maybe God's shown him something or I don't know what the case may be, but it's, it's, you know, to really kind of be influential. Even after I came to know Christ, he was still persistent. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that it wasn't just the fact that he's, you know, he's being persistent kind of like for, for nothing, but he started to see, he started to see the gold in me. He started to see the calling over my life and he helped mold and shape me into becoming that. And I think that's something that a lot of people can can speak to. Um, from just a, a theology perspective, a lot of the teachings that I received, Bible studies, kind of from preachings, things like that, um, it was it was through him. Like that, you know, I was going on Sundays, listening to the preaching in Arabic, you know, having my notebook, doing my thing, and I was receiving a lot of the things and understandings um, from from his preachings and from what the Lord was revealing to him and from the re revelations that were over his life. But he also taught me a lot of, of, of just about um, being vulnerable to the Holy Spirit, being vulnerable to the Word of God, um, and taking risks and not kind of just staying at the shore, that there's so much more to the gospel. So 100% Pastor Gergis would definitely be uh, be written in that book. Um, big time. As for historic, there's, there's a lot. Um, uh, perfect example would be like William Seymour from the Azusa Street Revival just in, in the you know the time period that he was there um, you know in a time where, where African Americans didn't have the same rights as other people and and here he is kind of ushering in the presence of God in, in such a incredible way where you know hundreds of thousands of people are coming to know Christ and it's the first you know great awakening kind of thing in the, the US and it was it was absolutely it was absolutely incredible um, what what he did and his impact on on the U.S. and, and up until today we still uh, we still look at that revival as a, as a foundation for for so many prayers and so many um, encounters and I, I can go on about it for so much and give a history lesson but um, that was William Seymour for sure otherwise um, in more modern day history Francis Chan 100% I I've read every single Francis Chan book uh, that he has I um, had a like a big encounter one day where I uh, I was really battling depression and. I was at a place in my life where it was like two or three in the morning and I was just, what is a really bad day? And I'm just like, Lord, I'm so sick and tired. And this is not before I knew Christ. This is, I'm a believer now. So it's like, my life is supposed to look pretty good, mm -hmm. but I'm literally in my room. It's like two 30 in the morning. And I literally type in preaching about joy. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. And 
at that time, this is like 2012 or 13, I typed that in, I'm on YouTube, and the first one that came up was uh, was a, a, a preaching of Francis Chan's, and it was called uh, How to Rejoice in All Things. Mm-hmm. And that preaching was teaching me the idea of, of what it means to, that joy is not a, a um, the joy is, is, is not based on my circumstances. That when, when my life is great, doesn't mean that I'm happy. And then the moment that, you know, things start to go downhill or things start to happen, that خلاص, I'm not, I'm not joyful anymore. Mm-hmm. When I started to watch his, that meeting, I watched it for, it was over an hour. And I remember just watching it in tears, just in tears and tears. And the Lord was just ministering to my heart. And ever since then, he's been an influential aspect in my life you know with the books that he's written on you know why different topics you know crazy love um the other book he has one of them is called the holy spirit one of them is called letters to the churches um so many different uh different uh, books that he's written that really ministered to me uh, alongside just the preachings and, and videos and, and stuff like that so huge and huge aspect in my life a hundred percent yeah, Francis Chan is a legend. <laughs> yeah, I don't think absolutely. there's so many people in our community that have been uh, in some way impacted by him. Absolutely. Um, I know a lot of parents uh, watch, a lot of parents of the youth watch yeah. um, at least some of my stuff on Facebook. What is one thing you'd like them to know about their kids? Or what is one thing you'd like them to learn about how to deal with their kids? I think I think one of the biggest the biggest things is obviously because I'm I'm involved in a lot of people's lives. Um, you see that kind of generational conflict between parents and their children. There's this like gap, and that gap in age or that gap in culture, that gap in um, just ideologies and, and way of life and upbringing is is significantly impactful. It's significantly impactful. And and we're at a place right now where we're kind of trying to play catch up to the mistakes that that have happened in the past with between, you know, adults and their children, parents and their children. I think it's a two it's a two part street. It's it's for 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 kids, for, for youth, young adults to really understand that about their parents, that they did not grow up the way you grew up. They didn't have that same culture, that same upbringing. And you kind of have to cut them some slack. 100%. Because a lot of times it's 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 hard because imagine I was taught something and I let's say, for example, I'm speaking English right now. I'm, you know, my parents, their whole life, they've spoken Arabic, they think in Arabic, they read and write in Arabic. And now they're in a place where, yeah, they've been here for a long period of time, but they're still learning English because they're not, you know, in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a school setting or in an academic setting or a workplace setting where that's so significantly important. So in a sense, they're still learning and yeah, they've been here for 20 something years, but at the end of the day, your involvement in the culture, their involvement in the culture, it's a world of a difference. The people that they associate themselves with people you associate yourself with world of a difference. So that's the first thing for young people to really understand where their parents are coming from. But on the second note, and I think this is really important is, for, for parents to truly understand that their children are so bombarded in this society 
by the things not of this world. And it's so important that although we have this this desire, and I'll say this as, as, as a father in the future, and I can understand this now that I'm married, because now that we want, you know, we want to have kids, obviously, and it's this idea of, yes, I want my kids to, to be in love with Jesus. I want my kids to, you know, have a relationship with the father all these things that i've experienced i want that in my children i want them to be you know to be servants of the lord all these things but they have to come to that their own way i can't write their story mm -hmm. i can't be the one to tailor their encounters and force them into an encounter that they're not genuinely desiring and that becomes problematic when when we're trying to cultivate encounters for our children that are not actually cultivated by the holy spirit that's a problem because it's not I who's going to push them into an encounter. It's it's their genuine desire and their genuine plea for more of God that will come with an encounter in and of itself. And a lot of times as we try to kind of manipulate the encounter that we're so desperately waiting for them to happen, that's not going to work that way. And there's so often where parents just, you know, they, and I've spoken to many parents where they're just so frustrated and they're so angry of, of you know, the, the situation where they're like, well, my kid doesn't care about God. And I, and I can understand that frustration as a parent. Like, I can imagine how tough it must be. But at the same time, that's where my role as an intercessor comes into play. Because my constant nagging or my constant kind of pursuit of my children having an encounter can actually backfire on me. Where now they actually no longer want to pursue these things because... What's the point? One hundred percent. You hit the spot. And and yeah, like I, 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 I've, I think one other thing is is as parents, it's the way you live your life is so influential to how your children see Jesus. And and for me, for example, when I look at, uh, for example, Sean Foyt, I, I really look up to Sean Foyt and his ministry, and a lot of these people from. Um, from Bethel Church or from from throughout the U.S., you, you know these people who are who are always kind of in the center of the spotlight. But especially Sean Foyt, his children now pray for the sick. His kids will go ahead and lay hands on people. His kids will give prophetic words. Um, his kids will join him on stage leading worship, whatever that looks like. His kids will come come with him and his wife on trips and mission trips and all these different things. But your children, especially from a young age, they will copy what you do. Like growing up, my mom and dad were the coolest people in the world. I'm like, whoa, my dad is like this awesome guy. Like anything he did, I'm like, dude, my dad is so cool. He's an awesome guy. And to guy, other people, Johnny. I love Johnny. He's, 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 he's the best. He's, he's something else. He's, uh, he's, uh, he could be superhuman sometimes. I'm just like, whoa, like crazy. Um, but I, I, I remember growing up, I'd look at him and I'm like, whoa, he's so cool. Like, I want to be just like you. And I think that's the kind of relationship that you need to create from when you're a child with, with your child when they're children. Because Sean Foyt, he cultivated the upbringing for his children where they had an encounter with God at such a young age. Because when you're trying to do that later on, it's so much harder. When you're trying to do that when you know it's their teenagers or their adult it's much more of a challenge but a lot of children as well they'll they'll look at their parents and again we put our parents on pedestals all the time but 
children will look at the mistakes of their parents, kind of like we were talking about earlier about these, you know, men of God, women of God, whoever. And we'll look at the mistakes of our parents and they'll hold them to such a higher standard. So it's a responsibility that I want to make sure the way I'm living, the way I'm speaking, these different things, it's showing the light of Jesus and it's showing the love of Jesus so that when they grow up, that's the environment that they've, that's been cultivated. So to your point, it's 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 definitely understanding the generational gaps. It's understanding the, the challenges between language and between culture. Um, but it's also ensuring that you're you're not manipulating or trying to uh, cultivate an encounter on behalf of your children, but it's ensuring that you're living your life in such a way from a young age that they're able to actually see that fire, that love of Jesus, that passion, and then that gets translated to them, and they start to live their life that way. Hundred um, uh, percent. For anyone watching who does not um, know you personally or who is not part of the YA group or youth or whatever um what do you have going on at the moment um if they want to get involved get in touch um how can they find you how could they find me so um one of the easiest ways is is uh if they don't come to our church or if they're not part of rivers of life or if they've never met me before add me on facebook i'm more than uh more than happy uh to do that you can follow me on instagram um we can go ahead and have a conversation. If you're a friend of Raf, Raf can give you my phone number. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, to speak with you, to pray with you, whatever that whatever that looks like. Um, that's probably the the easiest way for them to, to contact me right now, for sure. Perfect. As and for... and uh, if you just want to get updates on... Uh, first of all, are you okay with... Uh, uh, if someone is not in the GTA, uh, yeah. but obviously at the moment we're all at home and we're joining virtual meetings. Uh, would right. it be okay for them to join on Fridays? A hundred percent. It's it's a uh, it's a stream that it's it's a uh, we we do it on uh, Zoom just because it's so much mm -hmm. more interactive. Mm -hmm. We were doing it initially on Facebook and there's just some you know technical challenges and, and stuff like that. Zoom is just so much easier. It's plug and play. By all means, anyone who uh, if you don't have a home church or uh, if you if you don't have a, a young adults group or or anything like that, even if you don't live in the GTA. Please feel free to to uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and you'll always be up to date with exactly what we have going on. Um, and you can be more than happy to join any of our any of our events. It's open to everybody, just like it would be if we we're meeting physically. Anyone who's anybody is welcome to come. Perfect. And uh, obviously, we'll uh, we'll keep we'll tag the the accounts once we post the the podcast. For sure. um, anything else you want to share before we close? I, I'm just really happy to, 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 that you're doing this again, to be honest. It's, uh, it's encouraging to me. Uh, I think this is a platform that um, is so needed nowadays, where obviously we're in a virtual environment where everyone's home, uh, especially now. And I think this is so vital to a lot of people's uh, uh, mental health, well-being, uh, and just to kind of keep them encouraged, keep them interested, whatever this is, it doesn't even need to be a conversation about, you know, the Lord or anything like that. But just the fact that there's these awesome topics, these people from all different walks of life, I think it's so influential. So no, I, I love what you're doing. And I just pray that, um, that God continues to, to expand your doors, um, and to expand your, your, uh, your reach, and that a lot of people will come to know his love and to know uh, the gospel through through your platform so I, I'm, I'm excited I'm, I'm so happy that uh, that you're doing this because I know how much you're passionate about it and it, it gets me excited to see you walking in your calling and you're pursuing that so uh, it, it, it's amazing to me
I appreciate that so much, bro, especially coming from you. And uh, once I had the camera set up for the, I think it was episode two, I was right. so happy to have you on the first uh, yeah. kind of uh, platform where there was some changes, some changes now again. Right. Um, I feel a little bit stupid because right over there, there's a, an, about an eight foot table with brand new equipment, brand new cables. <laughs> That's just, it's been sitting there since April. Um, I know, but it's okay. We're back and, uh, uh, it'll be virtual for now. Hopefully okay. if, if there, if there are any updates from Mr. Doug Ford, we'll, uh, we'll do it in person yeah, no. moving forward. But yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please leave it a like, uh, subscribe because there's going to be a lot of episodes coming soon. Um, I'm just going to attempt to do them bi-weekly. How about that? That will be our, uh, our goal moving forward. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. Rami, thank you so much for doing this a second time, bro. I'm looking forward to many, many more. Amen. Me too. Looking forward to it. Take care.